When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Riley drops back, looks, looks, dances, and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skips his way to the end zone. He'll drop it off to Pouillon, twist it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reshot, score! 3-0 Jordan Everly from Connor McDavid, and the Oilers are pouring it on, Craig Anderson and the hapless Senators. And it's home for breaking on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. The injury bug striking the Edmonton Oilers once again. This time it is Eric Griba who's going to miss about a month with a knee injury. All the latest from Oilers practice including... More chatter about two guys who were firmly planted in the doghouse during and after last night's game, Benoit Pouliot and Neil Yakupov. You will hear from Pouliot as he talks about the two abhorrent penalties he took last night in the 5-3 loss to the Anaheim Ducks. The Oilers won 1-1 halfway through their three-game homestand and the team continuing to fade in the overall standings. Plus, Jack Michaels tonight, Oilers play-by-play voice. This will be fun. We love having Jack on the show. Besides talking some Oilers, Jack recently honored by his former team, the Alaska Aces. He's in their Hall of Fame. How about that? Jack on between 7 and 8 tonight. Huge impact for the uh, because of the Northlands announcement today. We'll talk to uh, Hockey Edmonton, Dean Hengels, their executive director, about how the uh, 7 rink facility at uh, what is now Rexall Place could help them. We'll also bring in Rod Cohn, longtime and very successful trainer at Northlands Park at the racetrack, now heading into its final year. Rod on at 7.45 tonight, and I'm really excited for this. A brand new weekly feature here on Inside Sports called Living the Dream, where we will feature and catch up with hockey players with uh, Edmonton area connections, now playing in a league other than the NHL. How did they get there? What's the journey been like? Where are they going next? Tonight, we'll kick it off with two guys. Derek Ryan, former U of A Golden Bear, now with the Charlotte Checkers in the AHL. And Alan York, former Camrose Kodiak goaltender, played a few games with the Columbus Blue Jackets, now with the Greenville Swamp Rabbits in the ECHL. I hope I get some Swamp Rabbits merch out of this interview. Uh, that'll be fun. All tonight, oh, and the newest member of the Edmonton Eskimos, Neil King, Brian King's younger brother, comes over from Hamilton, free agency signing. Uh, the Eskimos also re-signing Donnie Oramacion. Donnie O, as they call him, because everybody says his last name incorrectly, and I think I may have just done that there. How are you doing tonight? It is 6.09. It is Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thank you so much for coming along for the ride this evening. We have a lot to talk about, and, of course, as always, you are welcome 
to be part of the conversation. Uh, 780-496-0063 is how you can reach us. You can also text us at 630-630. All right. So let's uh, start with the Edmonton Oilers tonight and a, uh, a loss last night that it was a team loss. Let, let, let's be honest. I, I think the Oilers as a team, not quite good enough to beat the Anaheim Ducks. We, we've been saying that a lot in the matchup between these two teams. Um, the, the Oilers were there after two periods, and uh, the third period went south, started with the bad Pouliot penalty, and... You know, the Oilers, I, I thought that the Ducks playing a careful and responsible game all night. I thought the Oilers mostly played a careful and responsible game for about 40 minutes and, and weren't as good or simply weren't as good at playing that type of a game in in the third period. A, a lot of the focus on two individuals. Benoit Pouliot, as, as I mentioned, the slashing penalty on Kessler's stick in the first period led to the David Perron power play goal, which, hey, you know what, should have it counted? Probably not, but you're not in that situation if Pouliot doesn't take the slashing penalty on uh, on Kessler's stick. And then in the third period, he gives it away to Silverberg. He takes Silverberg down. Frustration penalties, undisciplined penalties, uh, a player who throughout his career has had a tendency to do this. And these were probably, at least in my mind, even worse than the offensive zone penalties because at least sometimes on the offensive zone penalties, you can say, well, at least he was trying to get the puck. Kessler, clear retaliation. And Silverberg, okay, he's sort of trying to get the puck, but uh, but takes him down in the neutral zone where he wasn't in a, in a position to score. Uh, Pouliot had his ice time limited. Uh, he got taken off the McDavid-Everly line in the second period. Yakupov was on that line. An area of the ice that the Oilers have struggled with right inside their own blue line. Yakupov turns it over, loses his, his man. That guy, uh, Silverberg, scores. Uh, big goal for the Ducks at the time. It put them up 2-1. The Oilers never had the lead last night. McClellan, after the game, asked about both those players. Want to throw uh, Yak into the conversation now? Yeah, well, he gets to take the ice time that I took away from Pooh and... Not a lot of success there either. It's like you're, I mean, there's opportunity there for guys. It's just a matter of some guys keeping Oh, boy, it was, it was on a plate today for a couple of them. Couldn't tee it up any better. Wow. Teed up for a couple guys to grab it. Grab the opportunity. You're being put in a position to succeed. Whether it's an injury, another player faltering, Coach liked the way you tied your skates that morning. Whatever. It was, it was there, and it was not grabbed. Uh, I mean, for Pouliot, I mean, first of all, think about this. Pouliot's on the hottest line in the NHL since the All-Star break. Makes bad decisions to get himself taken off that line. Nail Yakupov put on the hottest line in the NHL since the All-Star break, with two of the hottest players anyway, gets a chance to be on that line. Can't take advantage of it. And that has to be mind-bogglingly frustrating for Todd McClellan and the coaching staff, as and I'm sure it is for you as well. And look, it's, it's to me, symptomatic of a team here that has done a better job of shooting itself in the foot throughout the season 
than it has of taking advantage of opportunities. It happened on an individual level last night. It has happened on a team level throughout the season. And I do think the players are being instructed. Um, there have been players, like I said, put in a in a position to succeed, and it has it has not been grabbed. And you see some players resorting to old weaknesses or not improving on existing weaknesses, and and for me that's very frustrating. And it, it look. You got to put last night's game in the context of the whole season. If the Oilers were five, four, and one in their last ten games after losing to Anaheim last night, you might say, "Okay, uh, they're a mediocre team. They've played some good games. They weren't able to beat the Ducks." But this isn't a team that has been able to consistently perform recently at even a mediocre level. They're now three, six, and one in their last ten games. Three out of out of ten victories. They've once again settled into the trough of being a team that figures out a way to lose, that figures out a team to be on a way to be on the wrong line of that wrong side of the line, the fine line between winning and losing. They, they they figure out a way to be on the wrong side of it. Last night, it's the penalties, it's the some irresponsible coverage, and you're playing a team who is willing to do the little things and the details and the reliable things to be on the right side of the line. You don't remember how I used to talk about the Edmonton Eskimos during their Grey Cup season last year? They didn't care if they scored the winning points by blowing a team out in the second quarter or by winning in the final minute. They had that mentality to stay in it and not beat themselves. That's what the Anaheim Ducks reminded me of. The Oilers did not. Key moments in the game, game tied, did not make the right play, did not make the detailed play, did not commit to making, quite frankly, in a lot of cases, the intelligent play. And it was a couple of guys last night who were getting crapped on. Sure, other nights it's it's been other people. It's There are holes in this roster, and the holes are going to be ripped wide open if you play a mentally vacant game on top of having some deficiencies, physical deficiencies as a player. 780-496-0063 for your feedback on that or whatever else you want to talk about. You can text 630-630. Got some text messages coming in I want to get to. Before we break here, uh, McClellan today asked about Benoit Pouliot. I expect him to uh, rebound and, and come out and give us everything he has tomorrow night. And and try and rectify the problem. Um, and Benny's a, uh, an intense player. He's really important to our hockey club. And, um, you know, one, we can't have him in the penalty box uh, because he's effective on the ice. And, and two, he knows and he's got to get over it. But um, it's a fresh start for me and for him. And uh, he'll get an opportunity to play again and be a real good, effective player for us. And um, our team will be better for it. And he'll be better for last night, too. Well, the thing is, and that's that's probably even more the frustrating thing about Benoit Pouliot. We all know he is capable of playing well. We all know that he is capable of playing well. He doesn't do it consistently and that and that's frustrating but we're also at the point here you don't have anybody that can reliable, reliably take his spot. 
you don't have anybody that can reliably take his spot. That's another issue with the team as well. we got guys lined up on the phone. We'll get to some text messages as well. Inside Sports on 630 Chat at 617. This is Matt Hendricks from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Ched. All right, Matt Hendricks and the Oilers will be back at it tomorrow night. Of course, we have the game for you right here on 630 Ched, 530 for the face-off show, 7 o'clock for the drop of the puck. It is the Oilers up against the Minnesota Wild. So uh, Eric Greiba hurt, knee injury out for about a month. Laurent Brassois sent down to the minors. Anders Nielsen back up. Your Oilers report courtesy of Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Zach Cassian didn't practice today as well, still sick. So we'll see uh, how the lineup might shake down. Morning skate will be at 10.30 tomorrow morning. Okay, 780-496-0063. You can text us at 630-630. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Whole bunch to come on the show. Jack Michaels uh, on in about 45 minutes for a little more hockey talk. New feature later on, Living the Dream, featuring guys with Edmonton area connections playing in a hockey league other than the NHL. We're going to kick off the phone calls tonight with a guy who... uh, we can pretty much schedule like clockwork for this time of the show lately. Chris from Phoenix. Hey, Chris. Hey, what's up? Love the show again. Uh, oh, man. Um, th- this team, I think it's pretty safe to say that uh, Shirelli's got to just kind of see what we got going on here uh, and uh, and go from there. Uh, disappointed. I used to be one of those uh, Yakupov lovers. You know, I used to say, hey, put them put in a good situation, you know, get them some ice time, some power play time, and and watch this kid shine, but he had his chance last night, and he blew it. And I know it's it's you know one play, but that was a big play. And, and he's not—I don't know what it is. Is he not learning? Does he not want to play in his own end? Is he just—I don't know if if it's just mental errors, or if that is just what he is, or or whatnot. But it's just frustrating watching this kid, and it's just—I I don't know what to say. And, well, and Pouliot, go, go, go ahead. Well, just on Yakupov, I, I mean, I, I guess ultimately I, I don't know what to say either. I, I'd love to be in Nail Yakupov's head to understand, A, how he's feeling, and, and B, maybe understand what he's thinking about his own play and ice time and, and reaction to it. I mean, it's reached the point where... Well, it's been reaching the point where when Ilyakov has the puck, I don't expect something positive to happen. And look at look at the power play units. Lori Korpakoski and Yakupov are a tandem. One time out on the power play, it's Yakupov. The next time out, it's Korpakoski. There shouldn't even be a debate who should be on your power play. But instead, Korpakoski gets just as much time as Yak. Yeah, it's it's, it's crazy. Um, you know, here's a number one pick that, uh, you know, should have came in. And, and I'm not – I wasn't expecting him to, to put 40, 50 goals, but I was expecting him to at least be, you know, a, a perennial 20-goal guy and, and and stuff like that. And, and it's just – it hasn't worked out. And then last night, uh, Pouliot is just Pouliot, I guess. That's just what he does. And, and I, I was – I always kind of listen, and I love listening to, to Rob Brown and because uh, – uh, you know, he played the game, so he kind of knows what's up. And then, and Ray Ray Ferraro too. And Ray Ferraro brought up something a few uh, 
few nights ago, it was last week, where certain players, that's what you're going to get. It's, it's just in their head to do the bonehead play or the high-risk play, and it's just something that they can't get out of their head. It's just going to be something that's there, and, and, and maybe it's it's what it is with Pouliot. We might be able to minimize it, but in the back of his head, he's always going to go for that stupid play, which is which is kind of, I, I don't know what to say about that. And um, Yeah, well, up today, I think... I think you're. I think you're right. I mean, play, play. Human beings have tendencies, right? I, I mean, yeah. uh, I mean, if if there are potato chips in the house, I know at some point I'm going for them, even though I know I shouldn't eat too many, right? So, you're right with Pouliot. I think it's minimizing it as opposed to hoping to eliminate it. Um, but the two, like two in one game, especially of that variety, that's that's just. I mean. I, I don't know. I mean, McClellan did what he had to do. He, be, he benched him, but who? No, nobody's there to immediately take his spot either. So he's going to play. I assume he'll be back on that line tomorrow. Yeah, and then, uh, my, my last point here, um, I listened to uh, the radio dial uh, down the way, uh, one that shall not be mentioned, uh, today uh, around 2 o'clock, and uh, they mentioned Anaheim is looking at dealing one of their uh, – one of their young defensemen and they brought up uh, Erickson from Boston and somebody else. If, uh, if Anaheim is seriously looking at uh, it moving one, I know it's probably going to be a, a long shot because they are a division rival, but I'm pretty sure we should put a pretty uh, good package to, to possibly get one of those, those young stud defensemen. And um, I'm looking at, I, when I look at this team, I think that we are about, uh, you know, two solid defensemen away and my question is, if, if we add a couple more defensemen that are, that are say, you know, top four defensemen here, and we re-sign, uh, we re-sign Griba, what does that mean for Griba? And then also, what does that mean for, for Davidson? Because if, you're, if we say sign, or let's just say we get Votnin or whatever from, uh, from Anaheim and throwing a name out there, because I, I always throw the same out, but say we get Harmonic from, uh, from New York. So we're adding Votnin, Harmonic, we sign Griba, we still have Davidson. Uh, assumably, we're shipping Schultz, and then we still have Clefbaum, Nurse. Yeah, well, what, is, what does that mean for Mark Fain? Oh, yeah, and I forgot Mark that's, Fain. Well, that's that's the guy. I, I think if it came down to it, they'd prefer to keep Griba and Davidson over Fain. thing is, Fain has a couple of years left. Um, does he become your seventh defenseman, or do him and Griba take turns as the seventh D, if they were at, to add two good players? That's still it's, a big if, though. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm thinking. Uh, you probably have to ship Payne out, maybe buy some of his contract, and, and keep Griba. Yeah, maybe. That's the only. That's the only thing I, I can think of. Because and then Davidson, you know, this here's a kid that like we bring it up all the time. Here's a kid that shouldn't have even been in the lineup. Honestly, he was your six or seven defenseman, and now he's chewing up like top four minutes, top two minutes. Sometimes he's leading the the team in uh, on on the back end in, in minutes. And I, I've been you know surprised with this kid. And, and hopefully we can uh, extend this kid. So that's all I have, and a uh, great show. Chris, thanks for listening. Kirk, you're going to be the first caller up after the news break. I'm, I'm going to have to ask you to wait because I want to give you a decent amount of time. Coach Gator texting in. He says, hey, Reed, I think Yakupov put the final nail in his own coffin last night. Too many guys looking to put a loony down when the coach's buy-in is a toonie. Good way to put it there from Coach Gator. Uh, got a long text from the Big L that I want to read when we get back as well.
Yeah. Some suggestions here about trading Pouliot and Yakupov as a package. I, I, I don't know how appealing that is, especially after last night. 780-496-0063. You'll hear from Pouliot, too, when we get back. You're listening to 630 Ched Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Three games in the NHL tonight. Canadians lead the Avalanche 1-0 in the first. Blackhawks up 1-0 on the Rangers late in the first. Later on tonight, Wild at Flames. Flames goalie Kari Rama out for the season. Torn ACL in his left knee. Dennis Weidman's 20-game suspension has been upheld upon appeal. Uh, but the Flames can now appeal it to a neutral discipline arbitrator. There was a text message that Weidman sent to a teammate the day of his hearing uh, saying something, the only reason I'm here is because of the stupid refs and the stupid media. Probably didn't help his cause. Reed Wilkins with you, 780-496-0063. Text 630-630. couple quick texts before I bring in Kirk. Oil Fan Forever says, Hey, Reed, I've been watching Yakupov closer lately. I think it's time to ship him out. I really think he lacks hockey sense. Like Schultz, he panics and doesn't seem to understand what he needs to do. Yak hasn't improved at all, both offensively and defensively. He's not good enough for the NHL. I've always liked him and cheered for him, but time to cut the ties. That's from Oil Fan Forever. What confused me last night was how many times does Yakupov get the puck on his defensive wing in his own end and flip it out to center? And you're like, why didn't he try to make a play? Then when he turned over the puck that led to the goal, that actually would have been the time to just flip it out to center. Instead, he tried to handle it, lost it, it's in the net. Brian says, why don't the Oilers stack one line, Hall, Everly, and McDavid? Wouldn't that be McAwesome? They may do that. I wouldn't mind seeing that line at times, especially if no one else wants to pick up the slack. We got Kirk on line two. Hey, Kirk. Hi, Reed. What's on your mind, buddy? Well, I'm excited to hear from these uh, Edmontonians that are coming on tonight that are playing hockey around the world. Well, I'm glad to hear that. That'll be between 8 and 9 tonight. Are you going to get some guys from Europe too? I'm going to try. Yeah, we're just starting this feature this week, so we're going to dig around, and uh, I would like to go to Europe as well, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Cool. Anyways, um, I know what Puglia should have done. Um Rather than, well, he kind of acted like a baby and swung his stick and took some bad penalties. I mean, you got Kessler. He's yakking at McDavid all night long, just in his ear, um, just on him constantly, getting him off his game because McDavid is kind of ineffective. And then he continues on afterwards with the media saying, oh, I don't think McDavid even had a shot. We did a good job on him. Mm-hmm. Well, he'll he'll get paid back in the future from by McDavid. But Pouliot should have been in Kessler's ear. I mean, Pouliot's a big, strong guy. He should have been harassing Kessler right back all night long, hard on Kessler. And if Kessler wants to go, beat the crap out of him. Like, instead of taking two stupid penalties to lose the game, he lost the game single-handedly. He could have won the game single-handedly if he would have done what I just said, I think. Well, but but again, Kirk, I think we go back to that that certain players just are, are certain human beings are just certain ways. I don't yeah, know. Well, if, I don't know if Pouliot's going to engage Kessler. Maybe he has. So ignore him then. Maybe just ignore him. Right. I like, don't know. You can't ignore him because he's he's harassing your best guy and he's your line mate. Maybe you have to give a little back. 
because McDavid's the guy that's going to get the points. You got to maybe get Kessler off for five minutes so McDavid can run free. I mean, it it all ha- it all works that way. If Kessler's constantly on McDavid and it's not working for him, he's at 19 years old. I mean, this guy Kessler's on what is he 30 or something? Yeah. Veteran just beating down on him all night long. I mean, you got to be smarter than that. Well, but was- you're you're raising a, a a bigger and familiar issue for this team, Kirk. The Oilers are lacking whatever you want to call it: gamesmanship, jam, nastiness. Uh, the ability to be irritators. Uh, I mean, Nurse brings some of that. Cassian, who didn't play last night, brings some of that. But I, I think there's you generally... You don't have to be an irritator. You just have to give it back when well, or, or, it to you. Yeah, or whatever, or, or people who are willing to respond. And, and uh, yeah, I, I mean, but just to, to do what Pouliot did, slashing his stick out of his hands, that's, you're right, that's the worst. Either, either, you, either you laugh at him and skate away, or say, you know what, McDavid's going to light you up. Or if you want to do something, then you're right. You pretty much have to punch him. So he he knows that you're there. The stick thing's the worst thing you could have done. Absolutely. And I, I like the guy. I like the way he plays. He's an incredible player. Man, if he could just tweak something in his game, he'd, yeah. be, he'd be an elite, I think. All right. Kirk, thanks for the call. Just hang on here. You'll want to hear this news. This just handed to me. Thank you, Matthew Panashik. Uh, Nikita Nikitin has been called up from the AHL. Yes, that Nikita Nikitin. He's uh, played 27 games with Bakersfield this season, has 14 points, one goal, 13 assists, played seven games with the Oilers earlier this season. He had one assist and eight penalty minutes, and, of course, the Oilers have put Eric Griba on injured reserve. So uh, there's some breaking Oilers news, and I guess uh, either Nikitin or Clendenning in the lineup tomorrow with Greiba out. And let's face it, there's probably a Schultz trade coming at some point, too. We could see Nikitin here for the rest of the season. 780-496-0063. You can also text 630-630. The Big L has sent in this text, put a lot of effort into it, so I want to read it. The Big L says, I really appreciated Rob Brown's comments after the game last night. He mentioned the team is... uh, not having a bad year and that they have a great deal to learn. He's right. I'm a long-suffering fan, and my observations have been that the Oilers have been a bad organization from top down for roughly nine years. And during that span, other organizations grew and improved. Opponents have core players like Getzlaff, Perry, Doughty, Taves, Tavares, etc. They have benefited from the strength and structure their respective organizations acquired and provided. This is something the Oilers' young and gifted group are just getting acquainted with. It's going to take the new management and coaching staff a couple of years to get the right roster and to get that right roster to play properly on a nightly basis. So the message to the fans is getting mad is understandable. However, neither that nor a new building is going to speed up that process. That is from the Big L. And unfortunately, that's something that I I think is a a stark reality for all of us, is that I personally don't believe, especially after the last 20 or 30 games or so, I I don't believe that the Oilers are that close to being a really good team. Uh, Because, like I said, there's holes in the lineup. They're, They're not impossible to address, but some of them are going to be difficult to address. They are going to involve, filling those holes is going to involve sacrificing players who have strengths that are currently helping the team 
I believe at least one of the $6 million players, Everly, Nugent, Hopkins, and Hall, will be traded in the summer. Um, and I, and I, I know, it's, you know, all those players have their detractors that I'm probably going to hear from in the next few minutes. Um, but they also all have strengths that, that are going to be hard to replace. And I think another stark reality is is that I, I personally don't believe there's a lot on the farm in terms of people that are going to be significant top six forwards or top four defensemen. You may have a pretty good goaltender on the farm, which is important. And, and I think Talbot's been, done a pretty good job this year. But th- this, this, the, the organization is in a, a hole. And right now, Peter Shirelli has a lot of leaks to plug. And, I, I mean, to me, looking back is, is only so valuable. We can pick apart the corpse of the last few years as long as we want. It doesn't change the fact. And that's the stark reality for Peter Shirelli and whoever he chooses to proceed with him into future seasons. And I do believe Todd McClellan and the current coaching staff will be some of those people. There, there are a lot of leaks to fill. This isn't just let's add one or two defensemen and we're good. Add one or two defensemen and you're better. Sure, there's nowhere to go but up. Uh, but, but, I mean, it's at the point here where you might as well make some pretty significant changes. Like, if you're Peter Shirelli, what are you afraid of, finishing 33rd? Like, you can't go any lower than where the Oilers have been, especially the last six years. If you look at points percentage, they are behind the Toronto Maple Leafs. They have more points, but in terms of points percentage, because of Toronto playing three fewer games, they are worse than the Toronto Maple Leafs, who basically this year aren't even trying. I had Joe Bowen, the play-by-play guy, on last week, and he said there were zero expectations for the Leafs. Like, whatever. Like they they could have they could have, they could have finished the season with thirty points and people would have been like okay they finished with thirty points they are ahead of the Oilers who were hoping to realistically at least be in the neighborhood of a playoff spot this season and now they aren't all right so uh, Nikita Nikita's been called up from the farm I want to play this today it's uh, only about a minute and a half long all of Benoit Pouliot's comments to the media after practice uh, it's not my first time I think uh, you know. It was, a, it was a bad game. It was for me personally. I think I can't put the team in that situation, and it's uh, uh, it's frustrating and it's unfortunate that it happened. And, but um, moving on right now, I'm just going up about my day, and uh, tomorrow's another game. So it's just uh, unfortunate that last night uh, I did some stuff out there that I shouldn't have done. So. You said it's something that. You know, something that you've dealt with before in your career. Can you maybe just describe what it's like when you're out there and how split-second decisions happen? And it, it, it's tough to stay on the right side of it. You have to really uh, you gotta control on. yourself, control your emotions. And I think last night I got away from that. And there's the two penalties that I took were not at all necessary. It's not something I could have got the fuck no matter what. Or you know, an extra step. Uh, sorry, an extra step, and I would have got in there, um, body position-wise. But I used my stick, and I. I took two bad ones that uh, one cost a goal and the other one we're just getting back into the game and um, we can't get the momentum going so um, yeah it's it's you know it sucks it's unfortunate that it happened and uh, it's something I got to work on for sure. 
you need to play with a bit of an edge? Is that kind of control yourself too? Though, like, I'm <clears throat> personally, I think I'm pretty good with my stick. I can get in there on the forecheck and whatnot, and um, you know, sometimes it will get high or it will um, try to drag someone or uh, reach out to someone. But last night was not that same type of thing. It was totally different, and it's not something I should have done. Um, I paid for it, and uh, you know I put my team in the, the team in the wrong uh, wrong spot, bad spot, and um, you know coach had a decision to make, and he did it. I think I would have done the exact same thing if I was him. So, all right, so that's Benoit Pouliot. More on the Oilers uh, on 630Ched.com. We have a page dedicated to the team, also to the Eskimos as well. They made a couple of signings today that we'll talk about a little bit later on. Again, the Oilers news from the last uh, 12 minutes: Nikita Nikitin called up from the farm. Eric Griba has been placed on injured reserve. All right, uh, texting 630-630 is how you can reach me. We have open phone line 780-496-0063. We'll have McClellan's latest comments on Yakupov and more of your thoughts when we get back. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chan. All right, it's 6.50. Thanks for tuning in tonight. Going to bring in Joe on the phone line in about 40 seconds here. I want to catch up on some text to 6.30, Talking Oilers. Nikita Nikitin has been called up from Bakersfield, by the way. Eric Griba on injured reserve. Maddie C. says, Hey, Reed, wondering what you think about sending Lander down to the AHL and calling up Jujar Kara. He's been playing really well lately. Could use the experience. I realize the Oilers could lose Lander. But that's a risk I'm willing to take. I know Lander showed that he actually had a pulse for a brief moment last night, but that's not enough for me. There are too many passengers on this team. He's surely the most guilty of being one of them. Well, Matty, uh, right now they have a roster spot, right? They could call Kara up and not lose Lander. And I wonder if they're going to choose to do that eventually. DB says Toronto hasn't even had any real goaltending. Where are the Oilers if they haven't had the solid net mining that they've had? That's from DB. Yakishev says, when are Oilers fans going to stop expecting more from players than what they are? These players have been here long enough, and we know how they play. Pouliot can't even stand up for himself, let alone anyone else, and Yakupov has been playing terrible forever. Will he even be in the NHL in two years? That is from Yakushev. 780-496-0063. We have Joe on the line. Joe, thank you for calling. Go ahead. Yeah, thanks, Reed. Um, I, I appreciated the text that uh, you read. It was a little longer text. Put some effort into it, just kind of citing uh, uh, being patient with, with the team a little bit. I, I've always kind of questioned that a little bit, wanted maybe your insight into it, um, and kind of citing the text that you talked about, how long are we going to be patient with these guys? I mean, they are what they are. We've seen them. You, you look at teams like, you know, what, what, what year was Ekblad uh, drafted? Uh, last, well, 14, 2014. Okay, so 14, and where's Florida sitting now? Uh, well, aren't they leading their division? Exactly. What? Um, I, I get that there's been a coaching carousel, but, I mean, in my opinion, these guys are elite athletes that should be able to, you know, adjust to a coaching system um, pretty quickly. I would hope. I, I, I've never played in the NHL or anything on a hockey team for that matter. But you know, watching them, I just you, you got to kind of question what uh, we can sit there and say. Well, there's variables X, Y, Z at play here, and we need to be a little more patient. But I, you look at so many other teams that have drafted 
um, you know, it ended up really uh, with a fantastic pick one year, and it's it's a couple of years later that they're they turn things around. What the what do you think is missing here with the Oilers? Well, let me ask you a question, Joe. Let's go back. I don't know. Go back four or five years, just off the top of your head. You sound like you're pretty informed on the Oilers and who they've had on the team. Name one veteran that has been acquired by the Oilers who has really made a long-term impact on the team in the last five years. Well, and there it is, too, and I, I would agree with that. I think that, you know, I've called in a couple times and cited maybe some immaturity on the team's part, not not because kids are immature, but in terms of experience. You know, if you have a Giordano that comes in or someone that's got maybe a, a calming influence on the guys that can also play, I love Matt Hendricks to death, but you can't. You can't lead from the fourth line. Yeah, he's li- he's um, still a limited player as much as people love him, right? Yeah, yeah. So I would agree that 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 turns it on, I guess. But but still, I mean, the veteran presence on uh, on Florida has been there for some time. So they they have a bad year, draft well, and they're back in the mix again within a couple of years. You know, so it's I don't know. I guess they, it it's kind of a mystery to me. I building around the core is an, a, a great idea, but I'm. As much as I love the core, the only guy I, I probably would ship out would be Nuge just because of his responsible two-way play. I, as, as talented as Taylor Hall is, I I just wonder if maybe you know him or Everly could could fetch what you need to, to get that veteran D. And I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't go for anything unproven. You know. Oh, I agree. Um, they, they cannot take chances on guys anymore. And I mean, look, the Oilers got the biggest stroke of luck in franchise history, maybe even more than Gretzky's plane landing here, is that they, mm-hmm. they won that lottery with McDavid. He's the guy He's the guy to build around, and I don't think that they can do that by, by trading for Seth Jones. And, and I don't know if you ever heard me talk about that trade before. I, that's not demeaning to Johansson or Jones or Nugent Hopkins or anybody who could have been in that deal. It's, now is not the time with McDavid who, quite frankly, is probably already one of the 10 best players in the league. Um, mm-hmm. th- like, now's not the time to build around him with 21-year-old players. I want players 25 to 30. I, re- I really do, Joe. That's who, yeah. I, that's who I want. If they get Hamannick or, or somebody similar, or Vatnin's going to be 25 later this year for the Ducks, they have a little bit of experience. They're maybe not quite at their peak, but they're a lot closer. That, that's, those are the guys I want added. What do you think about, um, I mean, shipping out some of the core talent, as, as bad as Yakupov has been, right? do you think he's salvageable? Do you, do you keep him on your team? Is he salvageable? Well, I, I don't want to say he, uh, he's uh, past salvaging. I, I mean, he, I, in my opinion, there's some talent there. He wouldn't have gotten to where he was without being talented. I'd, I'd like to think that him of any of the players on the team would benefit from a veteran presence that could coach him a little bit. And yeah, maybe. Yeah, we can, we can hum and haw about how uh, he's the number one pick and he shouldn't. He should be kind of pushing the river and leading the charge versus being the beneficiary of sure. of, of good line mates. But, you know, if he's a, a second-line uh, support player that scores a lot, eh, who cares? I mean, he is what he is, and, and I, I just I wonder if uh, giving up on the guy right now is the smartest thing. You know what? I I actually think Schultz might be more salvageable than Yakupov, but I also really? think I also think Schultz is going to be traded in the next ten days. Okay. Yeah, I I just don't know with Yak. Something's gone completely off the rails, and, and you wonder if he just was so overwhelming when he played junior. Um, 
that he just never learned the game or his weaknesses weren't revealed in the OHL. That's what I'm, well, I'm starting his, to think. His rookie campaign was impressive, and, and I mean, short I know. season, but but uh, and then even the follow-up season, I it, it seemed like it was more of a coaching issue. I, I, I don't know. I probably got too much yak love. I, I, I want the guy to succeed because I see his heart and passion. I think that's something missing on the Oilers that I wish, you know, if he could leave He's... with one thing, maybe take the the, the heart and passion of, of Yakupov, and he can bestow it upon his teammates, and then they win the Stanley Cup. He's just a very scattered player, Joe. He is, yeah. Like he's, he's kind of a little frazzled in the head almost. Joe, thanks for calling. Thanks for your time. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. You can text six thirty six thirty. I will catch up on the text as we move along throughout the show because, as always, we're getting a lot of uh, good and interesting feedback about your favorite hockey team. They will be back on the ice tomorrow against the Minnesota Wild. Five thirty for the faceoff show. The game will start at seven. Jack Michaels will bring you the play-by-play. He's going to join us next. Some Oilers talk. And Jack recently entered a Hall of Fame, not as a customer. He was put into a Hall of Fame. We'll find out which one.